feels to us right now in our timeline, it feels like we were just here because we literally were. But to you listeners, this is episode five of All Out Brawl. I'm Sam. And I'm Chris. And today we are going to be talking about another deck. And this is actually a deck that's Sam brewed, but I think we're going to first start by talking about a question we got from one of our listeners on Twitter, which we thought was pretty exciting since we're on episode five of this new podcast. So kind of wanted to address the questions and the questions kind of tied in with what we wanted to discuss today anyways. So um, these questions are brought to us by at Jeff, sorry, at Jeff Westwing on Twitter. And his first question was, when do you build top down versus building bottom up? So I think this discussion should first start with what these are if you want to do that. Yeah, sure. So um, so at least when it comes to magic decks, um, the way that I kind of think about top down versus bottom up um, is usually top down you start with either a commander or a brawler. Um, or like a concept and then you kind of flesh it out with a lot of cards like you're like here's what i want to do here are the cards i need so a really good example of this i mean we've had a couple already but like your adelise deck from a couple weeks ago you looked at adelise and you said this card says i need wizards and it says i need spells to make my wizards bigger i need to pump this deck full of wizards and spells um and then like or like my tiana deck where you know you look at it you say oh i want to do you know i i want to have auras and equipment so i'm going to build a deck that has a lot of auras and equipments um another one like to kind of flesh out like the concept idea is maybe like tokens so you have like a shalai voice of plenty deck which is the angel that um gives all of your creatures hex proof and you um and you can also pay six um and pump everything with pulse almost one counters and in that idea you were like oh i want to do white green tokens let me go find all the cards that i need to like build this white green tokens deck even though you didn't really necessarily look at shalai and say oh she says play with tokens she doesn't necessarily but that's a good way of doing it or Um, like yeah the thing with the tokens is if you were to start with the idea of like i I have all these cards that make tokens so it's kind of like it lends itself to a go wide strategy all these good cards are in green and white what creatures would be what brawlers would be good to helm a deck like this because shalai is a good answer but i think shauna yeah, Sisse's legacy well, would also be maybe a good, uh, so, maybe not as like suited for that, but she's kind of well. She um, wants you to go wide, so yeah, I mean, exactly. Fine. So yeah, make a well, lot of tokens, I, make your commander huge, and then maybe throw in some type of evasion to make that. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say I, I think that actually lends more towards a bottom up strategy. So my idea is oh, when okay. I when I look at like the difference here is that. When, when when I was saying, like, you came into the idea, you're like, I want to make a lot of tokens. You're like, I'm going to find all these cards that do that. When you say, oh, I had all these cards lying around, and they made a lot of tokens. And I was like, who can I use to, you know, make a good tokens deck? I actually think it's more of a bottom-up thing. Because yeah. you're taking a lot of stuff that you have, and you're saying, what does this want to do? Like, what can I do with all of this stuff that I have? How can I, like, tie it together to make it into something? Um, and the idea, like, like I was saying, is that it's instead of looking at one thing and being like, oh, I want to do this, it's more like having a lot of things and saying, oh, how do I use these to make a, like, make a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So. That makes sense. So yeah. I guess, are any of our Brawl decks built from the bottom up then? Um, well, I was going to say, like, so one of the things about this question is the... Um, Jeff Westwing asked, when do you 
build top down versus bottom up. Um, and coming from an EDH background, most of the time I build top down because most of the time I look at a commander and I go, oh, I want to build that deck. I want to use that as the commander. I want to say like here, you know, like I look at the commander and I say, these are the cards I want to build for this deck. Um, but sometimes I do actually have instances where, you know, I have a couple cards and I'm like, oh, I want to build a deck that uses these cards, but I don't know who I'm going to use as the commander or like what the deck is really going to do. Um, and so actually one of my brawl decks is in kind of the same boat as an EDH deck that I built. And I, I've mentioned it before, but um, I have a Tezzeret the Schemer deck, which is the blue-black planeswalker from Ether Revolt um, that is pretty artifact centric he makes artifact tokens that you know essentially are treasure before treasure was a thing um he plus he, he gives things plus x minus x which is equal to the number of artifacts you control and then he has he can give you an emblem that makes your artifacts into five five creatures um and one of the things is i got that back in ether revolt and i looked at it and i was like oh this would be really cool i've always wanted to build kind of like an artifact matters edh deck i i want to find a deck that i can use this in um but it was kind of pulling me in different directions because like well i don't want to build brea but like i want to build some kind of like token thing um and i want to do something that you know uses cheap artifacts so i can turn them into five fives and that type of stuff and i ended up going into a four color silas ren and sadar Kondo deck for edh um that essentially i was like i want to make a lot of artifact tokens and green and white have a lot of ways of doubling tokens so like you know anointed procession doubling season parallel lives etc etc so i essentially built a deck kind of bottom up that way um and it was actually mostly because of tezzeret the schemer so a couple weeks ago um i actually built tezzeret the schemer because i ran into the, the like i i saw him in my bolt cards because i was like oh like i want to build more brawl decks and also like he had gotten pushed out of the edh deck so when i saw him i was like i should build that deck because you know i think it could have another chance in brawl i think tezzeret could you know have a moment to shine um and so then i started pulling together a lot of the artifact matters cards from both kaladesh and dominaria so and i guess i felt that's yeah bottom up like on that same bottom up topic i kind of find myself like looking through my like myriad of cards and i noticed that i have my stack of red rares is about twice the size of my stack of every other rare like maybe yeah. i need to build a red deck and that's how one of my commander decks my um chandra uh yeah the flip fire walker yeah fire of kaladesh or something yeah like that. chandra fire of kaladesh deck was built from me just like flipping through all my red cards seeing like ooh, i have um burn spells i have uh, good creatures in here. I have some cool enchantments and stuff. It's like, who, what, what deck could I build with this? And then it's like, Chandra cares about you casting red spells, so that made sense. Like that's yeah. another bottom up. You kind of, you kind of see what you're working with, and then shape a deck around that as opposed to picking a commander and then making yeah. the deck fit that strategy. Exactly. So yeah. So I think, um, like I was saying, I think in general, a lot of EDH players, and to the same effect, a lot of brawl players, um, kind of come to the table with a, you know, like, oh, I want to use this specific legendary creature or planeswalker, and I want to build a deck around them because the whole idea is that you can cast them, you know, anytime during the game. So you know, it's something you're always going to want, something you'll always have access to, um, and so that makes it like really easy to do top down decks where you say, oh, this card wants me to play this type of deck, I'm going to do that. Um, but I think there is a lot to be said for 
the bottom-up strategy too, especially for Brawl. Um, maybe not as much for EDH, but for Brawl, I think that's one of the things that a lot of like the standard players might bring to it is um, the idea that like they have a lot of you know good cards, and they're like, oh, I want to play these good cards. Let me build a deck that lets me use you know these Grixis colored cards. Oh, Nicol Bolas just happens to be in those colors. Well, that's like, probably along the lines like I have this white blue control standard deck. If I want to morph it into a brawl deck, who do I use as my brawler? Exactly. So, or like a yeah. Saltai token, their Saltai energy type deck, you'd worry about who could be my brawler for that or stuff like that. Yeah. So um, anyway, so that's, yeah, that's kind of how I view the top down versus bottom up. Let, let's move to the second question. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so he asked another question. It's kind of on the same topic. What makes a card build around... Oh, sorry. What makes a build around card build around a bull? So, essentially, like, what makes a card, what makes you call a card a build around or an idea build around? So, I think we were talking about this earlier, and I think the key is the card needs to maybe say it wins you the game or in some fashion express that it's going to be key in you winning the game. So, maybe the ideas of those are like Revel and Riches or approach of the second sun or mechanized production or maybe a specific card like anointed procession where you're going to be making a lot of tokens or stuff along those lines where this one card if you manage to play it and uh it sticks around it's going to be doing this one thing that's going to be winning you the game yeah so yeah so like you're saying like the cards that explicitly say the word do you win the game on them um seem quite build aroundable because they're going to win you the game yeah, but I think also, like I mentioned earlier, um, kind of like some of the top-down uh, brawlers especially are very obvious, like, build-around cards. Like yeah. we're saying, Adelie's says you should play Wizards and you should play Instants and Sorceries. Joyra says or, you should play Historic Spells. So does Wrath. Yeah. yeah, and Tiana says you should play Auras and Equipment. Like, a lot of the times, I feel like a lot of the cards that we consider to be build-arounds are build-aroundable because they literally say like play these other cards with me like like do this thing so i can be good um but uh like you're saying i think the you win the game cards and then honestly a lot of the dominarian legends have a very like build around the vibe because i think legendary creatures in general just kind of give that off. yeah give that feel like yeah. Voltani wants you to be playing a lot of lands um slimefoot wants you to be playing a sapperling strategy yeah or Maldrotha doesn't really care what you're playing because everything goes to the graveyard eventually. But I mean, that's build aroundable because you I essentially know. <laughs> play a lot of things that you sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, I'm, so not, I'm I just think... throwing some shade at our boy Maldrotha, or sorry, girl Maldrotha. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, but so I think uh, what makes it build aroundable is just the fact that like I think a lot of the commanders or brawlers or legendary creatures in general just explicitly say things on them that are just like, oh, I need to play a lot of this thing. Tetsuko, I need to play a lot of things that are X ones or one X's or, you know, Grun, I need to kick. I need to be able to get a lot of mana. Kind of same thing for Slin Voda. Um, or like even Slin Voda's like, I want to play Merfolk and, you know, other Leviathans and Krakens and stuff, even though I don't think there are any in standard. But you know what I mean. Like and Yeah, I so. think a card is also build aroundable if you want to be playing it yeah. and you want it to do well in your deck. You're not just gonna throw a one of something in your deck just when you draw it it's going to do something it's like you probably want if you want this card this idea to do well in your deck you're going to have to put some work into figuring out other cards that are going to work with it 
Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so I mean, so the I guess the the one thing I would say about this, and just to kind of to tie it into like the main thing here, is one of the things I do think is that with Brawl, um, the fact that you can use legendary planeswalkers as your brawler is actually kind of like they're they're definitely build aroundable. Um, but I think but they're normally multifaceted. Like exactly. They're normally doing. Yeah. They kind of have an overall theme, but they're. Th- there are at least three Planeswalker loyalty abilities are doing different things. Yeah. So I think with Planeswalkers, it's actually a lot easier to say, like, I'm building around this, but, like, I could build this deck in a different way. So, like, I mean, the one I'm talking about, not so much, but, like, other ones might be, like, you know, I use, I have a deck for Jace Ingenious Mind Mage, which is a mono blue, the Planeswalker deck, Planeswalker from Ixalan. And it's, like... It makes your it untaps your stuff. It lets you draw a card, and it gains control of up to three creatures. And like you look at that, and you go, "Well, you know, I could draw a lot of cards and play a real control build. I could, you know, try to gain control of other people's stuff, like in another version of control. Um, or, you know, like I could do something that involves untapping my creatures, which is kind of which the direction I went. Where it's like the other two abilities are just kind of gravy on top of the idea that I can just untap all my creatures every turn. Um, but yeah, so. Along those lines, let's move on to the, like, I guess, topic today um, is my Tezzeret the Schemer deck, which is uh, primarily artifacts. Obviously, Tezzeret the Schemer is the legendary planeswalker, like I was saying, that makes Ethereum cells, which are essentially treasure, um, gives target creature plus X minus X, where X is the number of artifacts you control, um, and then gives you the emblem that turns your artifacts into 5-5 creatures at the beginning of combat. It turns an artifact, yeah. yeah. And his color identity is blue black. Yes, yeah. So he's uh yeah, he's blue black. Um and he's a four drop that has five starting loyalty, which is already like really good. Um so uh in general, um I think it's kind of obvious that this should be an artifacts deck, like I was saying when we talk about like build arounds or top downs. Um but in this case, there's actually a lot of I, I like one of the reasons I was saying I built that original EDH deck is that there was a lot of artifact token generation because we had had shadows over Innistrad that made clue tokens we had um uh the kaladesh and ether revolt which made a lot of servo and thopter tokens um and then we had ixalan and uh rivals of ixalan that made a lot of treasure tokens and i was like this is amazing i would love to make tons of tokens um and tezzeret literally makes tokens by himself anyway so um with that i kind of made a blue black deck that focuses a lot on excuse me, um, uh, treasure production for them. Like in terms of tokens, at least the main, main token I'm making in this deck is treasure, but there's a couple thopters. Um, and, uh, servos, right. I actually don't think there are any servos in this specific deck, but there are some, but like essentially I I could, if I had wanted to add in the fabricate ability, because I love that ability. It's amazing. Um, I mean, I feel like Marionette master would work very well in your deck. Yeah, probably. I only had the single copy, which is why I didn't <laughs> put it in. But um, yeah, so let's let's just talk. So I'll I'll go through some of the cards in here. Um, uh, and I figured I'd start with uh some of the cards that um are from like the some of the ones that might uh are are from earlier, and then I'll move into the ones that are more recent. So um, these are mostly Kaladesh block cards. So I have Padim, the console of innovation that gives your artifacts hexproof and lets you draw extra cards if you have big artifacts. Uh, Foundry Inspector, which is the one that makes your artifacts cost one less, which is 
really good. Um, Contraband Bond, King. Oh, well, yeah. you you're gonna talk about it, but just there's multiple effects of that type in standard. So yes. you build them on top of each other, and your spells start start casting costing a lot less. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then Contraband Kingpin, which is the uh, signpost uncommon from Kaladesh, is the blue-black one, um, that says whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, scry one. Um, turns out when you're making a lot of artifact tokens and you know doing a lot of artifact type of stuff, it's really, really good. Um, you and scried then... like six at one point with that card. Like you, It's not a scry six, it's a scry one six times, but it's still like you dig for that one card you want in that instant, and it seems very good. Yeah, well, like, so for instance, we played a game recently. I'm playing a blue-black deck, like we're saying. Um, I don't have a lot of ways of dealing with enchantments. So we had a game recently where someone played uh, Consulate Crackdown and exiled my entire board, except for this Contraband Kingpin. Um, and I ended up trying, like, scrying through my entire deck, just doing that scry one to try to find any kind of answer, um, which did actually lead me into my only answer for this deck, it turns out, which is Sahili's Artistry, um, which is the sorcery from Kaladesh that lets, that lets you copy a creature and an artifact um, and make tokens of them that are both artifacts. And it was so, only an answer because there was something else on the board that you could create a copy of that got you out of that situation, right? Yeah, yeah, because you were playing a white deck that had um, the angel that O-rings when it comes into play, Angel of Sanctions. Um, and so I made a copy of that in order to uh, O-ring the crackdown, which ended up not being the best strategy because then my angel got removed and then all my artifacts got taken away again. So, yeah, it was um, it was interesting, but that literally is the only piece of enchantment removal. Um, but the other card that I have in here that's uh, from earlier in Standard is Mirage Mirror from Hour of Devastation because it's a very good card. Um, it's just really like one of the best cards. Maybe so how ever. many cards would you say do you have from, like, I guess we'll call it pre-rotation, because we're going to be rotating out of our current standard after the core set, right? Yeah, so um, I would say that maybe a third to, like, maybe even up to almost half of the deck is stuff from Kaladesh, Aether Revolts, um, and then a smattering of Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation. Um, and that's mostly because Kaladesh was just such a good block for artifacts that um, I, well, I, looking at it, I think it's more of a third than it is um, a half. But uh, that's mostly just because, like I was saying, Kaladesh was so good for artifacts that, like, of course I'm going to be playing, you know, uh, Padim, the, uh, con- or, um, the couple of the vehicles, Heart of Kirin, uh, Weather, or not, sorry, Weather Lights and Dominaria, but... Um, the cultivator's caravan um things like that that let me you know get artifacts that have additional value on top of just being artifacts Um, kaladesh was heralded as the artifact set so it makes sense right um but yeah so that's that's one of the interesting parts i guess is like a third of this deck is kaladesh and amonkhet stuff which means that come rotation it might not exist anymore because we'll see how much core 19 adds to this but um do you want to finish talking about the other cards in the deck and then maybe we can talk about how you plan on addressing that yeah so um so these are cards that are from ixalan and dominaria um and this first one here is actually one of the main reasons i built the deck so kind of going back to that bottom up um 
idea. It's a foil Phyrexian scriptures because I got a box and this was like the one foil mythic that I, mean, I have seen for this entire set. I mean, it was the card so. in the box. Yes. But you also got a Karn, so... <laughs> Yeah, so, but yeah, so it's uh, the four mana enchantment saga that essentially turns one of your creatures into an artifact and then blows up all non artifact creatures and then exiles all cards from opponents' graveyards. Which that last part, who cares? But the the fact is, like, I'm not playing very many cards that aren't, like, very many creatures that aren't artifacts. So essentially, I usually just turn the one creature I have that's not an artifact into an artifact and then wipe the board of everyone else's stuff because all of my creatures are artifacts. Um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, Antiquities War, um, similarly, a saga that lets you dig for artifacts and then turns all of your artifacts into 5 5 for a turn. That is scary um, when it happens, and it has happened. Yes. Um, Karn unsurprisingly <laughs> um because he makes the constructs that get plus one plus one for each artifact you can you've made super big constructs and yeah. there's an interaction there that so karn's constructs get plus one plus one for each artifact you control so that's just a static ability on them yes. then they become those five fives base power and toughness from tezzeret's uh uh ability or uh, to- or emblem thank you or oh the- my gosh i always draw blanks yeah, emblem. Yeah. There's still going to be five fives that get plus one plus one for each artifact you control. So essentially, six sixes base, and then huge based on how many artifacts you have. Yeah, well, so that's yeah, because that's kind of the um, the the only upside I got. Not only, but so I know people that aren't happy about the fact they didn't put star stars in Dominaria. But one of the upsides to the fact that this construct is a zero zero that gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control is the fact that you can turn it into a base five, five, like Chris was saying, and then it still gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. Um, which means essentially you give it an additional plus five, plus five until the end of turn, which is great. Um, but yeah, so, and then I have a uh, Mishra's self replicator, which is the five drop assembly worker that whenever you play a historic spell, you can pay one and make a copy of it. And it turns out when your entire deck is almost all historic spells, you can just dump a lot of mana into it and swarm the board with um, a, a whole lot of tutus. Um, and then a couple other cards that I have in here. Uh, so Dominaria, Voltaic Servant, mostly because it's just a really good card, especially for <laughs> artifacts. Um, I'm also running like Traxos, so like there's some nice synergy there. But uh, And then Joyra's Familiar, which like Chris said earlier, is another one of those. It's a, it's a four drop that has... Uh, historic spells you cast cost one less to cast, which, you know, historic is artifacts, legendaries, and sagas. So It also makes your commander cost less. Yes, yes. So that's the nice one about this, is this one makes uh, my brawler cost less, as well as the other planeswalkers I have in the deck, and the sagas. Like I was saying, I have Antiquities War and Phyrexian Scriptures. So um, this one is better, costs more, but still having both of them on the field means all of my two-drop artifacts are free, which, speaking of, I have a treasure map, of course, because it makes tokens and also lets you scry. It's just a really good card. Um, I also have Spell Swindle, which is another card that I originally was trying to play in my EDH deck, but didn't have enough room for, so it made perfect sense here, because it was just a two-color deck. Yeah, Yeah, I love how you play it, too, because you're like, wait, wait, how much did that spell cost? (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm going to spell Swindle. <laughs> when they say, like, six or seven. Yes. Not what spell is it, but how much does it cost? Yes. Well, the, see, that's the... The thing is, I'm not... I We talked about a little bit last episode of, like, you're more of, like, the control player, and I'm more of, like, the aggro player, where I like to get in and swing and, like, hit, and I, I'm not as big on, like, interaction-type stuff. Um, so for me, it's not about the joy of 
denying someone else their super cool spell. It's I want to make a lot of treasure. You just happen. This just happens to be a method of doing so. <laughs> Your spell just <laughs> happens to cost a lot. Yeah. Um, but along those lines, I also have Deadeye Plunderers in the deck, which is uh, an uncommon from Ixalan. It's a signpost in common as well. It's the blue-black one that's a pirate that gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. And you can pay four to a blue and a black to make artifacts that or to make treasure tokens. Um, and it's a 3-3 three, three base. So like, it's, it's a card that I have found has significantly overperformed in EDH. And... I don't think it's any different in Brawl because it's just really good. Like That thing can get humongous. And it also, it's like a mana sink for you too. Exactly. Yeah, I can turn all of my excess mana into more treasures. Um, but yeah, so those are kind of like the big ones. Like I said, there's also a Traxos in here. Um, there's also the Planeswalker deck Tezzeret, which is like pretty good still considering the fact that it's a Planeswalker deck card. But it's... Uh, no, that thing was doing work for you. Yeah, so I'll just—it's a six drop with five loyalty, which is bleh. But um, it lets you dig for an artifact with its plus one. Um, it has a minus three that makes target opponent lose life equal to the number of artifacts you control, which was, is pretty. Yeah, I was gnarly. thinking like nine to ten damage from that ability. Yeah, and then it has a minus eight, which I don't know if you'll ever hit it, but gain control of all artifacts and creatures target opponent controls, um, which is a gnarly, gnarly thing to do, but. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of like the big ones in here. The rest of it is a lot of like smaller artifacts, metal win- or metal spinners puzzle knots. You know, uh, you know, another couple Kaladesh cards that are artifacts that let me draw cards. Uh, Blood tallow candle. It's really good when it turns out you can turn it into a five five or you know also sink six mana into it to remove something from the like you know not remove from the game but give it minus five minus five. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, like I, I, I think part of it is just that. Uh, so, like we were saying, there's a lot of Kaladesh in here, um, but there's actually a lot of Dominaria in here too, because Dominaria has a pretty heavy historic, th- like you know, sub feel. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, artifacts. There's a lot of synergies there. Like I was saying, Antiquities War is one of those cards. Uh, Traxos, Karn. Um, so I think once we move to rotation this fall. Um, I'm going to be losing a lot of the specific artifact, you know, artifact well, type stuff. You'll but... also be losing your brawler. Yeah, so that's part of it is um, I'm going to be losing the Tezzerets. Um, but I think part of it is that that will actually help with transitioning it to more of a historic strategy. Um, because Before I th- we get into that discussion, oh. I think you missed a card that I think is pretty cool in the deck. Okay. So you, um, his minus, for his emblem is minus seven, right? Yes. He starts with five? Yes. So, Settle the Score lets you ultimate him the turn you play him. Oh, yeah. And you have done that. Yes. So, Settle the Score is from Dominaria. It's an uncommon. It's two and two black. And it's exile target creature. It might be target creature and opponent controls. I'm not sure. But, um, and then... uh, Put up to two loyalty counters, or no, put two put two loyalty counters and up to one planeswalker you control. Um, so yeah, so that is something I have done. It is perfect when you can play uh, when you can pay the four mana for Tezzeret, and then you can pay four mana to exile a creature and also put Tezzeret in range of ultimating because then you can just get an emblem and start turning your creatures or your artifacts into five fives every turn, um, which is pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, so. Um, I, I didn't want to. I didn't mention that one just because I feel like that's kind of a. I feel like it's just good removal. Um, in I think brawl, it slots but... well into any uh, 
black deck, yes. But I, I just thought the synergy with your brawler was specific, like was specifically cool because it yeah. lets you ultimate like right away. That's true. I, I do like that. I uh, apologize for missing it, but. So yeah, so that's um like like I was saying, I think uh one of the nice things is with Dominaria still in, um and also with Ixalan still in, I think I can still keep a pretty good historic theme um based on, you know, treasure tokens, uh the artifacts of Dominaria, maybe throw in a couple more sagas. Um Core twenty nineteen, we know already is gonna have those five planeswalker decks, and one of them is blue with Tezzeret. That is the only one we know right now. Um and I have a feeling that that Tezzeret might be good for artifacts because Tezzeret is always good for artifacts. So um I might end up transitioning it to more of a mono blue historic if you know if push comes to shove. Um, but, uh, I think, I think there'll be plenty of stuff. There's also, you know, we're Demir is one of the guilds that we're getting in Ravnica in the first, uh, Ravnica block. Um, unfortunately they're not really artifact heavy. Like they, like is yet, I think is one of the more artifacts heavy Ravnican guilds. Um, but then again, maybe that's something they'll change this time around. Try to, you know, push on the idea of like spies tools, you know, kind of like the cue of the of the Ravnican world, um, making lots of fun, cool toys. That'd be cool. But I'm not banking on that by any means, because like I was saying, I think Dominaria even alone might have enough to just support like a black blue historic feel with something like Rona. Um, you know, the uncommon disciple of Gix that lets yeah, you, that's who I was thinking. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think there are plenty of other options. I think right now it's a really fun deck because, you know, it lets me do the thing I, I wanted to do since I opened Tezzeret, which was artifacts, but also, you know, tokens and, you know, building synergies within those concepts. So, yeah, I love it. I, I think it's a great deck. Um, I originally decried it a little bit because I'm not running the, uh, like we were talking about earlier, the build around win the game cards. I'm not running Mechanized Production or Revel in Riches, um, which probably means i'm not winning as many games as i could because i could just you know dump one of those and then be like oh i make eight treasures i win the game um but uh i i, I like the way that it is right now so yeah so do we want to transition that into maybe a short discussion on how we're going to deal with uh rotation yeah i know i think that's a good idea because like that's so like a like like i've mentioned in the past i have six brawl decks um and right now three of them have dominarian legends um and three of them have legends that are fr- well one of them is from Ixlon, one of them is from uh ether revolt and one of them is from amonkhet so <coughs> so uh the ether revolt is rishkar uh pima renegade and i don't know if there's a deck i'd want to turn that into um it, and, i think yeah I think you have to be okay, like playing this format, you have to be okay with the idea that maybe this one deck I'm playing is only going to exist until rotation. Yeah. And right now that deck for me is my Merfolk deck. Sure. Because, well, no, Ixalan is, sorry, I meant my Minotaur deck. Merfolks sure. are an Ixalan, which is going to be here yeah. post-rotation. So the Minotaur deck, it heavily relies on Kaladesh and um, among cap blocks, because that's where all those kind of um discardy uh minotaur cards were printed so right i really i played that deck recently and i really am enjoying the it's like a really different concept i've never really built a discard a deck around discard and i really like it but i mean i'm gonna get my use my fair use out of it before it rotates so i won't be too sad when it does rotate but 
I just do have a deck that I know is going to be probably unsalvageable post-rotation. And I think I'm okay with that because I got my use out of it. I might be able to transition it into something commander-worthy. Yeah. Well, and that's... Yeah, so I think that's part of it for me is looking at the rich card deck that I built. I think there's some tools in there that I'm like, I have a mono-green EDH deck that's focused on Masumaru, which is a Saviors of Kamigawa card and focuses a lot on drawing cards because that's green is the best color to do so. But... um one of the things is like a couple of the cards in that deck, I realized I was like, Oh, Ronus is really good. Like pretty much in any deck, but also like I could put that in Masumaru and give him trample for three mana. Like it's very good. Um, so I I want to clarify that Sam thinks green is the best card draw color. And if anybody thinks differently and wants to argue against his point, feel free to add us on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, they're wrong, obviously. Green is the best card draw color. I don't want to hear... You can you can claim that it's black or white or red or blue or whatever, but <laughs> it's really green. Um, I like how you listed blue last. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I think that is... I, I think you're right. I think one of the things that, like, especially coming from the EDH perspective, a lot of people have been resistant about, the idea of rotation. Um, but I think there are like multiple ways to approach it. And one of them, like you're saying is the EDH route. You could say like, Hey, I'm going to see if I can turn this into a commander deck or maybe, you know, scrap some of it and like salvage some of it for a commander deck or, you know, even potentially, you know, more some of your con- existing commander decks into something else based on some of the strategies you were using. Yeah. And um, I think you yeah. want to keep just a positive attitude about it. You have all these cards they're not legal in Brawl anymore, but you still own these cards. You can still do something with them. The fact that your yeah. Brawl deck is going out of legality doesn't mean the cards you have now are worthless. You can still use them in other things. Like You still have them as part of your collection. And I think yeah. you're not dumping an insane amount of money into these Brawl decks because they're standard cards. Standard cards like rarely get to that $40, $60 unless you're talking about the Chandras or the Karns. And you don't need those cards to be a good um, Brawl deck. Whereas in Commander, there are some staples that cost upwards of like $10, maybe $15 you need in all your decks. Not Maybe not need, but like, in a sense, people believe you need them because they're staples. So I think you're not. it's not as much of a monetary sink as Commander can be where your decks are good forever until maybe something gets banned, but that doesn't happen very often. But I think Brawl has the nice difference in that it is standard, so these cards are never going to be super expensive. You're going to be able to build these... You're going to be able to build good decks that are going to be able to compete in multiplayer situations from, like, the five-cent bin at your um, LGS, probably. Yeah, well, I think part of it even, though, too, is... I'm actually kind of excited for the idea that, like, I have a couple decks, like I was saying, I have a Rishkar deck and a Simut deck, and, like, I don't think there are going to be, like, good, you know, uh, replacements for those necessarily. Like, maybe I could transition Simut into more of, like, a dinosaur build, but I don't know if I really want to. Um, But the thing I'm really excited about is that means that I'm going to have... Uh, 120 sleeves that I can use to build new things. like And maybe like yeah. 20 cards that now need homes in the new standard. Exactly. Yeah. So like 
Yeah, because like obviously not the the entire deck isn't built with just you know stuff that is pre Ixalan. It it has a lot of stuff from Ixalan from Dominaria now. It might pick up a couple things from Core nineteen. Who knows? So um, I think that's part of it. Is I I'm actually kind of excited for the idea that like this deck is something that I built and it was something I had a lot of fun with, and now it's time for me to you know take it apart salvage the pieces i want to you know keep using or put into commander um and then either you know put away the other ones or like you know just keep them around maybe you know you you never know you could have some use for them later down the road so anyway i i think the other thing too is one of the decks i have is is it does have an excellent brawler like i was saying it's a jace ingenious mind mage the planeswalker deck planeswalker um but the strategy that it's built on is entirely based off of Hour of Devastation cards. So I'm not sure if I even really want to try to make that deck still work because I don't think it will be as good as it is right now um, in future standards. Um, so I'm kind of happy about the fact that I'm not going to be trying to, you know, like make this continue to work. You're not going to be trying to revive in the it. And trying to like make it live up to its old glory. Everything it's going to be new. It's going to be different, and you kind of have to accept yeah. that. And I think I wanted to make a comment about. Uh, I think another problem people have with standard is you're always chasing that like new best deck. You're always chasing um, these cards and these decks that cost a lot, right? Yeah. So you're all like that's people's big gripe with standard is you get rotation, and then your cards that you just spent all this money on immediately start going down in price because they were only being played in standard. Whereas you don't really need those like chase cards to build a good competitive multiplayer brawl deck, which I think probably if you think about it like that, I think it's the format starts to become like insanely more accessible because you're, you can't think about it in the same way you think about standard in terms of like price um, ceiling or price floor or whatever. Cause you're not going to be spending as much as you spend in a standard deck to play a good, competitive brawl deck and you're not like you're not playing it in tournaments you're not trying to um win prizes with you're not paying to enter these contests you're building like we play brawl casually to build decks and have fun so like whenever we talk about this we're not worried about like 1v1 tournaments where we need to win every match like we're building decks for fun and we're not worried about getting like a karn in all of our decks or something like that well, but I, I do want to make it clear that, like, it's fine if people do that. I know yeah, there are LGSs that are running Brawl tournaments. I know there are people who do 1v1 kind of in a competitive fashion. Um, but I'm just but trying lot, to make yeah. it, like, less scary for the more casual commander players that might sure. think because, oh, it has the standard idea attached to it, it's going to be an expensive thing to right. upkeep. And I think that's yeah. the big thing is the upkeep cost of standard. Yeah, that's right. I, I guess you can yeah. do that, and I'm oh, I'm all for people who do that. Like I used to play in standard. I have nothing against it, but now that I'm a casual commander brawl player, I'm not going to be like chasing those expensive cards that I need to make my deck the best. Well, that's fair. I, I guess I, the main reason I'm saying that is it just felt like you're coming down a little bit. But I guess oh the no, fair, no 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 the not fair at point. All. I didn't well, mean to be like that. Yeah, but but the fair point is. But thank you the for players, clarifying. The, yeah, the players who are playing competitive brawl and doing like tournaments and stuff, I think are already used to the idea yeah, that you know, exactly. their decks are going to rotate out, so I think they're not too worried about it. But yeah. Um yeah, that's yeah, I think that's honestly part of it is just like kind of like we talked about last week with the idea of like king making and stuff and how we might need to change our attitudes about how we approach 
the way we play magic for brawl um this might just be another one of those cases where you know we're just gonna have to figure it out as we go along and you know i it, it might be hard especially this first rotation um, yeah it's gonna but, be really interesting to see how many of people we play with actually start brewing new decks and transitioning their post their decks to like post rotation brawl yeah well and honestly i think one of the reasons i i don't know if like wizards like had this much foresight into it i'm sure there was at least a little bit of the idea that like this fall is ravnica so i would not doubt that people are actually going to continue playing brawl and enjoying it because ravnica as a plane just lends itself so well to singleton multicolor formats like not and obviously not all brawl decks are multicolor but the guilds are so easy to grok like they're so easy to be like i want to build a boros deck i want to build a deck around razia or aurelia you know i want to build a deck around these like like these big poster you know guild members that we get the cards for Mm -hmm. and i want to like cram it full of all the cards that are in ravnica to you know help you know support them in their whatever their guild is doing so um i think that will actually help keep brawl going because even though we might get some like gripers who are like oh but like my Moldrotha deck lost that one drop green enchantment that i could sacrifice every turn to draw a card um i think there'll be enough golgari stuff in there that like it's not going to be a problem. <laughs> like, yeah. There's going to be so many treats in there for the for the Muldrotha player. I'm already I'm already sickened by it. So, <laughs> uh. yeah. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I think I'm excited yeah. for it. Honestly, yeah. I like um, I personally like change, which is why I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I and that's I think right now I'm like what just going over that Tezra deck that I was just talking about. I am kind of like it's starting to hit me a little bit i'm like oh a lot of the cards in this deck that are like you know a lot of the cards i got for this deck are like you know maybe not like i don't know what i'm gonna do with them after i tear this deck apart um but uh like we'll see and like i'm not worried about it though i think i think it's more of a like i just want to play it more before rotation happens so that way i can get all get it out of my system before we get to before we get to ravnica again so uh, uh i'm excited for ravnica again i think yeah, I like. I think we mentioned last episode. I hadn't. I haven't played on that plane, so I'm excited too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. So I think that's just about everything that I had. For yeah. I this. think. I think. Um, I liked the transition from Tezzeret into, um, rotation, rotation and yeah. also how those questions that uh, Jeff asked on Twitter kind of led into what we had already planned on talking about, which was your Tezzeret deck. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I know we're trying to keep this one a bit shorter, but I do want to mention, so right now, uh, we're in the midst of Battle, Bra- Battle Bond previews, oh, which yes. unfortunately has nothing to do with Brawl because they are, they're, they're never going to be standard legal, but all oh, these cards are so good. Like, yeah, if you're so a commander excited. player, you are, you're perking up as these cards are being spoiled, like doubling season and that yep. new Planeswalker partner. I'm, I'm just super, super super excited that they're continuing the partner because i've like ever since those um partners were released in the commander set yeah. i was like this this mechanic needs to continue because i love the idea of having partner commanders yes i and i'm very excited mostly because like you were saying 
along those lines, it does help set a precedent that even though it might not happen in, you know, standard sets, I mean, we didn't get it for Brasella, which I'm not that upset about at the end of the day, but a little bit because it's hard to, it, it makes it sweeter when you get Brasella on the field. I'm just going to say that. Um, but uh, it's just exciting that they, it shows that they are willing to keep doing that, like, you know, and keep bringing it back for um, supplemental products. So I'm, Oh, I'm just I'm just psyched. Yeah, there's also new multiplayer so cool. mechanics like assist and friend or foe. So if you're yes. a multiplayer player, you're getting very excited about this. And sadly, like Sam said, it has nothing to do with brawl. But I mean, before we were brawlers, we were commander players. So yeah, well, and you never know. Um, like I mean, I I don't. There's no way in hell they're gonna make this. Uh, brawl safe or like you know they're, they're not going to be like oh you could do this just for brawl but you don't know that they might try I to mean, sell some product but it'd probably be that is like the crazy thing happening like that we would be yeah. super surprised if that happened yeah but like i mean at the end of the day i love two-headed giant and like if you like playing brawl then you'd probably like playing two-headed giant as well like especially if you came into brawl because you like drafting and you like you know how you got to build the archetypes and things like that like and you get to transition into brawl where you can play like the archetypes that you drafted more um i would highly recommend battle bond limited because it's gonna be dope and i want to just clarify we are 100 percent not sponsored to like promote this no bond (laughs) we're just very excited for it yes uh sorry i i I guess that's always the problem for Magic the Gathering, like, content creator type stuff is, like, some people are supported by Wizards and some people aren't. And, like, to clarify, we are not. We love Wizards. We love what they make. Sometimes they make us upset, like, when they make buy a box promos. And you know what? Like, the nice thing is we're not we're not getting paid by them, so we can say whatever we want. And I'm going to say I don't like buy a box promos. So there. Take that. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't think there's anything else really that I have. No, and I'm right glad now. you brought up. Ba- I like. I was wondering if we could bring up Battlebond because there was just so much exciting stuff happening. But so I'm glad you just took the initiative and did it because now it's out there. Yeah, and like like I said, again, nothing to do with Brawl. I'm just excited about it because I like Two at a Giant and I like the supplemental products they do. I love Conspiracy too, and like that didn't conspiracy and conspiracy too to clarify but like that had nothing to do with like standard um but yeah i I don't know we'll see um i'm just excited it's gonna be great and in the meantime um let us know what you thought about uh my tesseret deck uh our our discussion discussion. on rotation our discussion on build arounds top down bottom up building what you think those terms might mean how you build your decks we'd love to hear about how you build them, what your decks you're playing right now are, how your yes. play groups are playing Brawl. Like, whatever you want to tell us about your experience with Brawl, we'd love to hear. And we'd love to share it with other listeners. Yeah, and especially, like, I'm I'm pretty curious. Um, I'm sure, at least since I'm an ADH player, I'm sure a lot of people who enjoy this type of stuff would also be the type of people who play ADH. But I'm, I would love to hear from people who are doing competitive 1v1 type of Brawl stuff. Um what they think are you know good yeah, i guess decks you'd have to be in paper like that, now but... because i don't think mtgo is updated to the 20 life total and ban list stuff yeah i think they said they were going to get that done by the end of may but who knows um yeah i it's i'm excited i i would love to hear from anyone about anything related to, be to the honest, brawl or maybe if our lgs them. did 
like sponsor a 1v1 tournament i'd probably just go and play in it just for the fun of it i i mean i probably would too um yeah i think i i i'm kind of sad they're not but at the same time it's kind of far it's kind of far away for us so it'd be hard to fit that into my busy schedule <laughs> when we when we record so many podcasts but um along those that lines that was a joke guys <laughs> <laughs> it was partially a joke. I do do a lot of stuff. Um but I do, would do. still I know. Um let's let's end it there. <laughs> how can how can people tell us about all of their thoughts and feelings if they wanted to get in contact with us? They can tweet us on Twitter at alloutbrawlmtg and email us at the email Sam is about to tell you. Okay, yeah, it's alloutbrawlmtg at gmail.com. Um, and also we do have a Facebook page if that is your style. Um, it's not very updated, but whatever. Um, It'll be updated if Sam updates it. Cause I don't really use Facebook. Yeah, but you can still message us there and it will yeah. get to us. Um, so that would be facebook.com slash all out brawl MTG. Um, and you can either post there or you can message us directly there. Um, just to let us know your thoughts and feelings. Um, but past that, uh, I think that's everything next time. I don't think we have a set in stone topic, but if you have suggestions for it, you want to hear, we would love to hear those too. Um, yeah. And, and we're not going to be recording that for a couple of weeks. Cause as Sam was saying in the beginning, this podcast is being recorded the day after our last one because of travel plans coming up. So we'll probably yes. have a lot of new news to talk about too, probably for the next one, which I'm hopefully, or though hopefully it's we not might be in the bad news. droll <laughs> season of news too. Yeah. We'll see. Well, yeah. Thanks to Mole for our intro and outro music, which is Welcome to Video Game Island, um, which was uh, we found on the Free Music Archive online. And thank you to Awkward Bun for our cover art. Um, you can find her on Twitch at twitch.tv slash awkwardbun. Um, but I think that's everything. So until next time, I've been Sam. And I have been Chris. And this has been All Out Brawl. Pow, 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 pow. Or, you know, whatever. Wee, 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 wee. Pick a new basket. <laughs>